Amen. So this week, we're jumping into part two of last week. Just for a show of hands really quick, how many of you were here last week for part one? Okay, mo most of us in the room were. Uh, last week, the Holy Spirit just kind of took over, and uh, we began to flow and, and move and, and preach and teach in a, in a way that he wanted us to in the moment. I left a few pages of notes for me, so I decided because this is the foundation to the rest of what we're going to be doing throughout this series— uh, that I needed to finish that message. So today we're, we're finishing the rest of the foundation of living an empowered life. So we're, we're finishing the foundation of it today and then rolling uh, into some, some actual uh, digging in a little bit into our own lives after this. So this is the foundation as we talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit uh, in Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be if you want to go ahead and turn there. Because how many of you know the Holy Spirit who is who gives us an empowered life? Amen. That it comes only from the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about that and why and, uh, and how Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to live a better life. How many of you want to live a better life? Amen. With a show of hands. Amen. See, we, we want to live an empowered life. And uh, this mic is giving me trouble again, Bob. Thank you, sir. So we, we want to live an empowered life. We want to, to move into, into something new. Uh, I don't think anybody in this room likes to go back to the same old battles time and time again, right? I don't think anybody in this room wants to deal with the same old struggles time and time again. I think we've gotten into a trap uh, in the Christian church probably in a course of time over a course of, I don't know how many years back, but it seems like maybe we've gotten into the trap uh, that we struggle all week long just to get to church on Sunday. And then we come into church on Sunday just so that we can feel good enough to struggle all week long again. Right. And, and, it, and we kind of can move into that trap if we're not careful. And we and, and church absolutely should be a moment at a time of empowering you and encouraging you and building you up. But can I tell you, you should also be doing that throughout the week. That throughout the week, you should be getting up out of bed each and every day, encouraged and empowered to walk through your day. That doesn't mean that you won't ever have a bad day. And if you're having a bad day, you must be a bad Christian. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is when you have a bad day, that you can overcome that by the power of Jesus Christ. And you can overcome that by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in us. And you don't have to make it a bad two days. Amen. That if you have a bad two days, you don't have to make it a bad three days. And if you've had a bad week, you don't have to make it a bad month. And if you've had a couple of bad months, you don't have to make it a bad year. Amen. But that's what our flesh tends to do in the moment is our flesh tends to push us into, oh, no, the sky is falling. How many of you remember Chicken Little? Right, we watched Chicken Little when we were when we were young. We read the books, but uh, Chicken Little now having Waylon in our life. There's a new Chicken Little movie. You know, we watched the new Chicken Little movie with the Oh no, the sky is falling again. And how many of you know that there's a lot of Christians, and I'm not saying in this church, but there's a lot of Christians, period, uh, who run around with the sky is falling mentality on a regular basis. Uh, but I'm here to tell you today that through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that even if the sky is falling, you don't have to run around scared and shaken. Amen. That even if you're going through struggles, you can still stand firm because the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to do that. Amen. How many of you believe that this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't you go ahead and look at a neighbor and say, I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. Amen. I am thankful for the Holy Ghost in my life. Uh, so we've talked about how the Holy Spirit empowers believers in the Old Testament by residing with them last week. How many of you remember that? We talked about different members of the Old Testament and how the Holy Spirit resided with them. And when they needed to do something amazing, the Holy Spirit came upon them in the moment. We talked about Samson and we talked about different judges in the Old Testament. And we, we talked about all these different guys that in the moment when God had called them to do something great, the Holy Spirit 
Spirit came upon them and empowered them to do something great, right? We talked about how Samson had a call from the God, uh, from God to not cut his hair, but his true strength wasn't just found in his hair or the cutting of his hair. His true strength was found in obedience to God and the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So as long as he was obedient to God, he had the power of Holy Spirit working in his life. But when he's not, then he found himself being falling into trouble and falling into issues and situations. But the Holy Spirit resided with them or alongside them and came upon them in times that they needed help. Uh, but in Acts 2, we see God make a major shift. Amen. Why don't you look at somebody and say major shift? Because I think we all need some major shifts in our life from time to time. There needs to be time that, that God needs to just rock your world. And Bob, I am tired of messing with this thing. I'm going to switch. doing okay we're good did you hear what my wife said she is a mess for the rest of y'all in the church she said don't let them see your undies <laughs> so now whew, I just took y'all somewhere you did not want to go right We'll get back to the Bible. So, so now in Acts, we see God begin to make a huge shift. And instead of the Holy Spirit residing alongside people and coming on people when they needed him, he now resides in people. We see the Holy Spirit begin to reside in people. And how many of you are excited about that? Amen. That's something to be excited about today. Uh, even if you weren't thinking about it when you came in here, just thinking about it right now in the moment that God lives in you. If you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit now resides inside of you. That is an incredibly supernatural thing, amen? That, that we don't have to wait for times of trouble and call upon God and maybe the Holy Spirit would come down and empower us to do what we need to do in the moment. But each and every day when we get out of bed, the Holy Spirit empowers you to get through your day, amen? That you don't have to walk around with your head hung low and staring at the ground ground and shuffling your feet and kicking your feet even if things in your life aren't going well you can still hold your head high and say God resides in me and what I am going through God will get me through and even if he doesn't pick me up out of it and set me on the other side of it he will give me what I need to come up against the enemies in that moment just like he gave David what David needed to pick up a stone and slay Goliath he will give you what you need in the moment when when you need to pick up your stone and slay the giant in your life, he will give you what you need and empower you to do that. How many of you are excited about that today? Amen. Amen. Listen, I, I just, whoo, I got to get through this message, Miss Lucia. So in Acts 2, <laughs> so in Acts 2, after Jesus establishes the church and then he ascended, the believers are left feeling a little ill-equipped, right? They're, they're feeling a little left out. They, they don't feel like they have exactly what they need to do the things that Jesus had taught them to do. Jesus had been spending a lot of time telling them how to act and telling them how to treat each other. And telling them how to evangelize and telling them what to do. And, and Jesus had been spending a lot of time, three years in fact, teaching them how they needed to live and act and evangelize and preach and teach and prophesy and do the things that they're called to do. But in the moment, Jesus is gone and they're feeling ill-equipped to complete those things. How many of you today, sometimes God asks you something of you, whether it's to affect somebody else's life or maybe it's just to affect your own life and God asks something out of you and you feel ill-equipped to get it done. You don't feel like you have what it takes. Can I tell you today that you do? And it's called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit living in you, you have to activate that. 
You have to activate that. How do I activate, Pastor Steve, the Holy Spirit empowering me to get day to day? You need to spend time with the Word. You need to spend time with Jesus. And the more time that you spend praying and seeking Jesus and trying to live like Jesus, the more the Holy Spirit gets activated in your life. Right? We can't just come to church on Sunday and expect the Holy Spirit to activate us to get through all of our trials then Monday through Saturday. Right? But we've got to live it on a daily basis. We've got to get up every morning ready to give God our all. Uh, just like Samson, we've got to live in obedience to the Holy Spirit. The more obedient you are to the Holy Spirit, the easier it is to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. The less obedient you are to the Holy Spirit, the easier it is for you to be less obedient to the Holy Spirit. Right? So we've got to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. That means that we've got to start today that when the Holy Spirit says, hey, you need to do this then you do it. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, hey, this is something you need to cut out of your life, then you cut it out of your life. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, there's somebody you need to forgive, then you need to forgive. Amen? We need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. So sometimes we feel like church, like we're on this roller coaster of life. Right? It's just like this roller coaster. Sometimes you're up. Sometimes you're down. Then you're back up. And then you're down. And then you come back up. And then you find yourself screaming and crying upside down, right? It's, it's just like this roller coaster of life. These things happen, right? Well, the, the apostles and, and all of Jesus' followers found themselves in the books of Acts chapter 2 in this same way. If you could imagine walking with Jesus for three years being taught by God the Son. Being taught by God the Son every day for three years. And then all of a sudden he's arrested, crucified, and dies. They were up, and then they were down. They were in the garden with Jesus, and Jesus said, Can you not tarry with me for three hours? Can you not pray with me? Because you obviously don't grasp what's about to happen to me. And they were falling asleep, right? Because they were up, because they were with the Son of God. They were up, because they were with Jesus. But all of a sudden, Jesus is arrested, he's crucified, he dies, and then they're down. But then, three days later, Christ raises himself from the dead. Christ comes back. Christ uh, begins to walk and talk and meet with them, and he sees them again. So they go from being down to being up, right? Say, woohoo! Jesus is back. Everything's going to be okay. He conquered death in the grave. Jesus is here with me now. Thank you, Jesus, right? We had to go three days without him. We had to go three days without him, but now Jesus is back, right? Now he's back. Thank God we're up. But then Jesus says, hey, by the way, I can't stay. And then they're down. Like, wait a minute. Man, we spent three years with Jesus. And then he's arrested, crucified, and dies and buried. And we're down. But then he comes back and we're up. But then he says he can't stay and we're down. But then Jesus says this. He says that he's going to send somebody else in his place. And that somebody else is better equipped than Jesus in the form of a man to give us what we need for the next how many ever thousands of years until Jesus returns again. Because how many of you know Jesus is coming back again? Amen. He is coming back again. Jesus is returning, right? But until Jesus returns, he sent another that would empower us and help us to live the kind of life that Jesus taught us to live in the three years he was teaching on this planet, right? So while we look for Jesus's return as Christians, the focus there is better left in the hands of God. We let God decide when, when, when Jesus the Son returns, right? We let God decide when that happens. But in in the meantime, it's up to us to be obedient to the flow of the Holy Spirit in our life so that we're walking and talking and in relationship with other people like Jesus. Yeah. Amen. That we begin to do the things in our life that Jesus taught us and we begin to act like him, right? So he sends the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, uh, in, unlike in the Old Testament when he resided with believers, he now resides in believers. So the Holy Spirit resides in believers. Why? First of all, to empower you to do the work of the gospel. There's a reason that we went through the gospel series before we came into this series. Because I wanted you to know what the work of the gospel was. What exactly the gospel is. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to do the work of the gospel first and foremost. It empowers us also to perform miracles in his name. 
Amen. That means that when we lay hands on people who are sick, we, we can have the faith to stand and believe that God will heal them and make them well. Amen. That we can have faith to believe that God still performs miracles to this day. Uh, you know what the biggest miracle in the world is to me? Forgiveness. The moment when somebody has such bitterness in their heart and such hatred for another person and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit moves on them and they fall to their knees and they begin to release all of that and move into a, a level of forgiveness. That is a miracle. Amen. You know what's another miracle? When somebody's heart that was so hard towards God gets softened and they give their life to him. That's a miracle too. Amen. There's all kinds of miracles that we perform with the, with the, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do in his name, right? He empowers us to preach, to teach, and to prophesy. He empowers us to preach about Christ, to teach about Christ, and to prophesy about Christ. He empowers us to do these things. He empowers you to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gives you utterance. That's something that's available to you through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. God gives it to you. He empowers us to do that. And most importantly, out of all of that, he empowers you to simply walk and talk and be like Jesus. To simply be like Jesus. And can I tell you today that getting a human being to act and walk and talk and forgive and be and love like Jesus is a miracle. That's a miracle. How many of you know somebody like, yeah, that'd be a miracle, right? You don't have to raise your hands and don't point at them, you know, if they're here. But, but that, yeah, that would be a miracle to get somebody to walk and talk and act and love and forgive and walk and be in the shoes of Jesus. That would be an absolutely miracle. And some of us are thinking about ourselves and going, yeah, it would be a miracle for me to walk and be able to forgive and do the things that Jesus talks about in the Bible. But there's all of this stuff in the Bible that was given to us. And all of it was given to us for a reason. And you know what that reason is? Because it's possible. Because it's possible. And through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we can do all of that. Amen. If God says we can have it, then what? Amen. If the Bible says it, then we believe it. If the Bible says that you can walk in forgiveness and healing, then we can walk in forgiveness and healing. If the Bible says you can be delivered from demonic influences and demonic oppressions on your life, guess what? You can be delivered from demonic oppressions and influences on your life. If Jesus would walk the earth and cast out demons back then and then told his followers you can do the same thing, then guess what? We can do the same thing. If Jesus laid hands on people and they were healed and the blind now see and the, and the, and the ears now hear and, and people who couldn't walk now walk and Jesus did those things but then he looked at us and said, and if you believe in me, you can do the same things and more, right? And if Jesus said that, then guess what? We can do it. Yeah. Amen? There's more to it. There's more to it than just, than just coming to church on Sunday. There's more to it than just living a quiet Christian life and never telling anybody what Jesus did for you. There's more to it than getting saved out of your mess, but then never acknowledging that you ever had a mess in the first place. Getting saved out of your mess, but then forgetting all of that mess and then walking around looking down at other people who need to be saved out of their mess. Right? There's more to it. There's more to it. The Holy Spirit can empower you to begin to walk in supernatural ways. Supernatural ways. But can I tell you this today? He's not just calling you as individuals to walk in supernatural ways. He's calling Redemption Point Church to walk in supernatural ways. Does that mean the building is going to go out and lay hands on people? No, it ain't. It again got nothing to do with the building. We have this beautiful, awesome, uh, amazing, large place to come worship. But the church is not the building. The church is you. Those of you that come here every week, it's you. Every week, the church leaves the building. We come to the building to gather, and then we leave the building to go do the work of the gospel. Amen? Amen. So we know in the Bible that the Holy Spirit points everybody to God the Son. Everything the Holy Spirit does, he points to God the Son, who then, through the reading of Scripture, always pointed to God the Father. So you have the Holy Spirit pointing to God the Son, and you have God the Son pointing to Son, and you have God the Son pointing to God the Father, and you have all three of them who are God equal persons. You have all three of them who are one God equally in three persons who we worship.
So we've got to be not just obedient to God the Father and, and, and not just obedient to God the Son, but we need to learn to be obedient to God the Holy Spirit who is residing in you, who tells you when to do something and when not to, who speaks to you and, and gives you direction. Right? Who will help you along the way. And you may say, well, Pastor Steve, I've been married, married. I've been saved 20 years. And I don't know that I've ever heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. Then you've dialed him out. You have dialed him out of your life. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit wants to speak and be involved with you and talk to you and help you. And in those moments of crisis. And listen, we're supposed to, as people, be there for each other. But in those moments of crisis, how much more important is it for you to look within to God, the Holy Spirit who is in you, who will guide you, teach you, uh, walk you through it, who will give you peace in the moment, who will calm you down when you feel like scratching somebody's eyes out, who, who will calm you down when you want to run up and down the, the walls, who will, who, will, who will settle you down in the moment and you don't have to, to act or be a certain way because the Holy Spirit will give you what you need to be the opposite of the way you want to act in your flesh. Right? That in the moment in our flesh when we want to sin, when we want to do something wrong, if we just look to the Holy Spirit, he's already speaking to you. You just got to fine tune in the dial. You've got to tune out the noise. You need to go somewhere and get alone and say, yes, Lord, speak to me. Tell me what you want from me in this moment. Because Lord, if you don't talk to me right now, I'll probably punch somebody in the face. And Lord, if you don't talk to me right now, I'll probably walk out and quit this job that I need to pay my bills next week. And Lord, if you don't talk to me right now, then I'm about to do something extremely stupid and something extremely extremely in my flesh. But Lord, if you talk to me in this moment, you're going to empower me to do the right thing, say the right thing, have wisdom in the moment, and have power enough in the moment that I can do what you've asked me to do, Lord. That you will give me the strength. Amen. How many of you believe God can give you the strength to get through whatever you're going through? God will equip you to, for, for whatever you're dealing with. Whatever the moment is. Uh, Pastor Steve, you don't know my bank account situation. Can I tell you, God will equip you and give you the wisdom that you need to roll through it and to get through it and to come out the other side. Pastor Steve, you don't know my job situation. My job's crazy. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit will empower you and equip you to walk through it and come out the other side. Pastor Steve, you don't know my marriage. Like, he, like, like my, I'm, I'm married crazy. The, the Holy Spirit will give you what you need to deal with crazy and come out the other side. Right? The Holy Spirit will equip you. Holy Spirit will empower you. But you've got to be tapped in to the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've got to be able to, to listen to him. So Acts 2, 1 through 4 says this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as if a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As Jesus promised. Can I tell you that Jesus is a man of his word? Can I tell you that Jesus is your savior and you can count on him. And when Jesus tells you something, you can take it to the bank. And when Jesus left and ascended into heaven and promised that he would send another 50 days, 50 days after Passover, which is what Pentecost means, by the way. Pentecost means 50th day after Passover. So 50th day after Passover, suddenly a mighty rushing wind filled the house. The house was filled with wind. And if you, if you read throughout scripture, starting in the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament, the Holy Spirit was described as pneuma. And the Holy Spirit was described as ruach. And, and all of those words mean breath and wind. And suddenly the Holy Spirit flew into this house and baptized everybody in that place. Everybody in that place was baptized in the Holy Spirit just as Jesus promised. Can I tell you today, all who were in the room, all who were obedient, all who Jesus said, go to this place and wait. Go to this place and pray and wait and listen and be ready to receive. Go to this place. All who were obedient received the Holy Spirit that day. Everybody that was in the room. They weren't just filled with the Holy Spirit. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit. So do you know the difference between being filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized with the Holy Spirit? You can fill up this water bottle. 
but being baptized is when it comes over the top. You can, you can fill up this water bottle and when you get saved and Jesus and you, you give Jesus your life, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit begins to talk to you and teach you and tell you what you need and give you what you need. But some situations you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes when it begins to flow over the outside. When it begins to flow down and it begins to cover you. And that's what happened to the believers in this place. Remind me to clean that up after church, baby. So that's what happened to the believers in this place. They were filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing and they were baptized by the Holy Spirit. And then guess what happened? They couldn't even contain themselves. They couldn't even contain themselves. They poured out into the streets. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Passers-by heard them speaking in other tongues and heard what they were saying in their own languages. Can I tell you that God is a supernatural God? And just like he was supernatural in the first century church, he's supernatural in our century church. That God is a supernatural God. And what he did for them, he will do for you. Amen. That they couldn't even contain themselves. They flew out of this. I think about the story. When I think about this story in Acts and how all the passers-by that had different languages heard them speaking in tongues, but heard their own language because God wanted them to know who Jesus was. So God does supernatural things to, to bring people in so that they know and have a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. Amen. So that they have this supernatural understanding. So he, he begins to think, I think about this story with Dr. Mark Rutland. I don't know if you know Dr. Mark Rutland. He's an amazing, amazing preacher. He's one of my favorite preachers in the world. Also does marriage stuff and uh, does all kinds of stuff. He's been the president of Southeastern University, Assembly of God University in Lakeland. But he's done some amazing stuff. But he was on a trip one time and he was in South America and he was, called, he was supposed to preach and his translator never showed up. And he stood in the pulpit and he didn't know what to do. And he began to pray. And his translator never showed up. Translator wasn't there. He's in a room full of Spanish-speaking people, and he only speaks English. And he's standing behind this, this lectern waiting on the Lord to do something. And he brought his father-in-law along with him who was, who was barely a believer. His father-in-law had some interest in it, but it was, was standoffish and was barely a believer. And he was standing in the back of the room. And suddenly, uh, the Lord told Mark Rutland, Dr. Rutland, to stand up and begin to speak in tongues over the congregation. So he stands up and begins to speak in tongues over the congregation. And his father-in-law is in the back, jumps up and says, Mark, stop it. You're making a fool out of yourself. What are you doing? You're like babbling. You think you're talking in Spanish and you're not. Right? He didn't understand the, 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 the language of tongues that, that Mark was speaking. He thought Mark was trying to speak in Spanish when he didn't know any Spanish. So he thought he was mocking the people and making fun of the people by speaking in a different language. He didn't understand Mark, Mark was speaking in, in tongues. And then as he continued and as he continued, can I tell you today, the entire church there heard every word that he spoke in tongues in perfect Spanish. And the altar call flooded the altars and people got saved and delivered and set free because God is a supernatural God and he does supernatural things. Amen. Can I tell you, can I take you one step further? I met Dr. Mark Rutland once when he was speaking at an event I was at and he, he signed my book for me and I just have a lot of respect for the man. And he said to me, do you know to this day, I still speak perfect Spanish. He said, I never, I guess I never took a class, never learned it. But to this day, I can still converse and speak in perfect Spanish because the Lord taught him that language. Amen. You, you can't put in a box what God will do in your life. You can't put in a box what God will do in your situation. When you think only in earthly terms and you think only in the terms of science and the terms of space and dimensions and time, when you think of those things, you're putting God in the box of his own creation because God created space and time and exists outside of it. That means outside of space and time, God can manipulate space and time and God sure can manipulate language. Amen. God can do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. Amen. We just got to stand back and say, God, have your way and be obedient to do it in the moment. I got to tell you right now, I don't know how I would have been if I was standing there and didn't have my translator. I've been in Uruguay preaching and thank God my translator showed up every single time because I don't know what I would have done. I would have been scared to death, I know, and I'm sure uh, Dr. Rutland was as well. 
And when the Lord said, uh, go ahead and step up to the lectern and just begin to speak in tongues. I'd have been like, are you sure, Lord? <laughs> like, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, these people don't know me. They may think I'm a little crazy, right? But, but, but God does these amazing things. Uh, here's, here's the awesome thing. They poured out in the street. They began to speak in other tongues. Passerbys heard them speak in their own language. And the Spirit empowered Peter. Peter, who is now the de facto leader of the church. The Spirit empowered Peter. And I don't know if you know much about Peter, but Peter's a cusser. He was. He cussed on occasion. He was, he was a fisherman. He was a fighter. When they came to arrest Jesus and it was all Jesus' plan, he took out a sword, cut off one of the guard's ears. You know, he, he did some things that maybe you'd be like, eh, you made that guy the head of the church? Yeah. Because that's what God does. And today, I can tell you, um, you made Pastor Steve the pastor of that church? Yeah. Because that's what God does. He takes somebody out of who they used to be and transforms them into somebody new. Amen. So that you don't, listen. Some of y'all sit here today and maybe you've been saved a long time or maybe you've been saved a short time and you disqualify yourself because of your history. You disqualify yourself because of who your parents were or you disqualify yourself because of how you were brought into the world. But can I tell you today that God takes people who were brought into the world in the worst possible ways and does the most amazing things with them. And if, in, our, in our worldly thinking, we think that the Lord would only use people who are perfect. Right? Or the Lord would only use people who already got it all together. Like, like if I was God, like I would want, you know, I, I'm going to hire the guy that, you know, looks like he's got his stuff together. Like I'm, I'm going to hire the guy who's been doing it for 20 years and has this perfect track record. Like, that's who I'm going to put in that place. But the Lord says, that's not how I work. Because if I put in somebody that you already think is going to do a good job, and you already think is going to do something amazing, then you won't give any glory to him. But if he takes the one who is broken, if he takes the one in need of restoration, he takes the one who needs healing, he takes the one who, who, needed, who needed to be set back on the right path. He takes the one who nobody would have thought would be doing something supernatural for the Lord. And then he says, I'm going to use that one. Yeah, they're, they're a little rebellious. They're a little crazy. Done some crazy stuff. Got a track record. Got a, got a history with the cops. <laughs> But you know what? I'm going to use that one. Because when he does amazing, great things for the kingdom, everybody's going to say, look at God. Yeah. See, if we hire the other guy, then God says, then everybody says, well, look at Stanley. I don't know. I, I just took a swing at that one. I, I don't know if there's any Stanleys in here or not. But they're like, you know, look at Stanley. Stanley's so awesome. Stanley does such a great job. Stanley never messes up. Stanley exhibits the fruit of the Spirit 100% of the time. Stanley's got it all together, man. Look at, look at Stanley. But when God uses somebody else, somebody nobody expected, then everybody looks at that person when they're flowing in the gifts of the spirit, they're flowing in the supernatural and they're preaching and teaching and they never went to seminary. But for some reason they can walk through and explain the Bible like you don't even know. And they're like, look at God. Look at God. Man, I don't know about you, but I want to be the type of guy that when I 
move in the spirit when, when I preach and when I teach and when I do things that God has called me to do. Or if I just father at home or grandfather my grandkids or be a husband to my wife, I want people to be able to say, man, look at God. Look at what, look at what God did. Right? And it, all it requires out of us is obedience to the Holy Spirit. And if you've given your heart to Christ, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit already. And the Holy Spirit's already there, ready for you to tap into and acknowledge and listen to. He's already there to teach you. And you say, well, well Pastor Steve, if I'm new to this, how do I understand and how do I know if it's the Holy Spirit's voice? First of all, you need to read your Bible as much as possible. And know this, that the Holy Spirit will never ask you to do anything that's against what the Word of God says. Everything the Holy Spirit will ask you to do will line up with the, with the Word of God. I, I had a man come to me one time. I've told this story a few times. Hopefully not everybody in the room has heard it. But when I first started preaching and I, I was scheduled to preach my very first time. And I was still running a dealership. I was a general manager of a, of a Chevrolet dealership. And I was in there running. But I was nervous because I had, a, I had to preach coming up. And, and I'd never preached before. And I was scared, man. I was scared to death. And my dad was already cracking jokes like from a car salesman to a preacher. Like, what in the world? But all I got to say is, look at God. And in this moment, I was, I was in my office. And I was preparing my message. I was reading over my message, looking through it. And all of a sudden, one of my guys comes up and he says, Hey, uh, Brother Steve, not Brother Steve. <laughs> he didn't call me brother. He was like, my, he was a car salesman. <laughs> That's how long I've been in the church now. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but Brother Steve? No, I didn't make them call me Brother Steve. <laughs> he, he stuck his head in. He said, Steve, listen, um, there's a guy out here who says he needs to talk to you and that God sent him. And I'm like, all right. You know, woo, thank you, Jesus. I've been sitting here struggling with this message. God sent me somebody. Maybe he's going to help me write my message. You know, so, so I walk out there and I meet this guy and he introduces himself as the prophet Rosenwine. I'm like, nice to meet you. Good to meet you, sir. And he said, can we go somewhere and talk? We walk into an office to talk. And listen, if some of y'all know the prophet Rosenwine, I'd, I'd say this if he was sitting here right now. He begins speaking to me. And because I had been in the word of God for several years in studying what God said, when I heard the things coming out of his mouth, I knew they had nothing to do with God. I knew that they were against the word of God, that they were demonic. And the, and the straw broke when he said, God sent me to this town to help a little church. But the pastor refused my help. So God told me to take his wife from him. And I reached over and I grabbed little prophet Rosenwine by the back of his collar and I walked him out and I booted him. And that's probably wasn't the right way to deal with it, right? Well, maybe it was. But I, I, I booted him in the butt and, and he stumbled down the stairs in the front of the dealership. And I said, don't you ever come back and talk to me again. Because can I tell you something? When God, when God wants to do something in your life, he sends a person. But when the devil wants to do something in your life, he'll also send a person. And sometimes that person will be disguised as a man of God. That's why you have to be in such a good relationship with the Holy Spirit so that you can tell who's a man of God and who's not. So that you can have gifts of the Spirit like discernment to be able to discern who is in your life for the right reasons and who is in your life for the wrong reasons. Amen. And you begin to push people out that are there for the wrong reasons. You pick them up by the collar like I did that little rose wine and you kick them in the butt and you send them down the steps. Amen. You say, you're, you're not going to speak into my life and I'm not going to allow you to twist me up with your lies and deceit and demonic stuff. I'm going to listen to who God says. I can tell you there's been plenty of times that God has sent men of God into my life. Yeah. And since we've come here as lead pastors in the last two years, God has sent many men of God into my life. And, uh, and I haven't had another episode of having to haul somebody out yet. You know? But, but God will do some amazing stuff through people. That's why you can't lose trust. You just have to make sure you have your discernment on. So that when people come into your life, you clearly hear the voice of the Holy Spirit going, yes or no. Is this God or is it not? Or the Holy Spirit may say, wait. Because maybe it's God, but the timing ain't right. So, so listening to the Holy Spirit is so important. But first, you got to know him. 
first you got to acknowledge that he's there and he's working. So, so in this moment, getting back to the, to the scripture, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues as the, as the Spirit gave them utter, utterance. They poured out into the street. People heard their own languages. Spirit empowered Peter to stand up and preach, which is where I left off. Peter stands up and he preaches. And he preaches like nobody's business, y'all. Peter, Peter preaches Christ, preaches the, the life of Jesus, preaches Jesus crucified, preaches Jesus raised from the dead. Not only that, but he begins to line up the prophecies of the Old Testament. He begins to quote all of these, uh, all of these Old Testament books and, and talking and acting like he's a rabbi himself. Right? Because he is. Because Jesus made him one. He is a teacher. He is a preacher because Jesus assigned it to him. So in this moment, he begins to teach and he begins to preach. And can I tell you that through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that early church changed the world. That early church with those few believers who were in that upper room, who were empowered by the Holy Spirit and filed out into the street, changed the world. That one sermon, one sermon, guys, one sermon, 3,000 added to the church. 3,000 added to the church. He was changing the world but it wasn't, can I tell you, you've read the life of Peter. It wasn't Peter. It was Peter's obedience. It wasn't Peter's intellect. It was Peter's obedience. And allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through him, 3,000 were added to the church that day. So how do we become empowered by the Holy Spirit? Well, Acts 2, 38 through 39 is a little later in that chapter but it's, it's after Peter preaches the sermon and after he preaches such a convicting sermon and everybody is compelled by the Holy Spirit to be drawn in and give their life to Jesus Christ. Uh, in that moment, they ask Peter, they say, well, Peter, what, what should we do? You know, what, what do we do now? Like we crucified him. Like, Peter, what do I do? I, I was the guy yelling in the, in the street, crucify him. Peter, what do I do? I was the guy plucking out his beard. Peter, what do I do? I spit on him when he, when he walked by with the cross. Like, Peter, what do I do? And they were convicted in the moment because of the things that they had done and because they didn't believe that he was the Christ. But they fully didn't understand that it had to happen, that it was a part of God's plan and that he was doing it for them. Which is why when he was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Just, just forgive them, Father. And in this moment, they cried out to Peter and said, what do we do? And Peter said to them in verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone who the Lord God calls to himself. Promises for everybody. What did I say about Jesus' promises? You can take them to the bank. Amen. His promises weren't for a select few people in the first church. Because guess what? This church needs as much empowerment by the Holy Spirit as the early church did. Yes. We're in a country where we're struggling and dealing the, that, it, that Christians are, are increasingly being more and more persecuted. Now, thank God we are not in some other countries where Christians are being jailed and killed and set on fire and hung Thank God we're not in those countries, but we're increasingly getting more persecuted for our belief. Businesses get canceled because they believe in Jesus and the Bible and people lose their livelihood. We're increasingly getting more and more persecuted in our country. So, so, so what do we do? What do we do? We repent and believe in Jesus Christ. And then you give public acknowledgement. What is that? It's baptism. Uh, we haven't had a baptism since the fall because our baptismal heater went out and everybody I tried to baptize was like trying to baptize a cat. They were... <laughs> that was crazy. Had little kids crying. I'm like, y'all, like this could be a river in Alaska. Come on. <laughs> like, stop fighting me. <laughs> you know? Our baptismal heater went out, but thank God... Uh, Mr. Bob is, is working on that. We've ordered the parts. So we'll be having our next baptism in June. 
but giving public acknowledgement. Can I tell you today that if you've never been baptized or maybe you've returned to God and you had walked away from him and you've rededicated your heart to God in the last six months, the last year, and you've never been baptized, can I encourage you to put your name on that list? Can I encourage you when we have that baptismal service in June that you line up and, and get it done because it's a public acknowledgement and, and Jesus has called us to it. So we repent and believe in Jesus Christ. We give public acknowledgement through baptism. And then we recognize that receiving the Holy Spirit is a gift. It's a gift. Peter calls the, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift in relation to the promise that Jesus made you and I. It's a gift in relation to the promise that Jesus made the church when he ascended into heaven. And he said, I send you another. And this one is going to empower you to do the things that you need to do. And it's the Holy Spirit. So, so everyone who is called by God to himself is, is who is, a, is, a, is, is receiving the promise. So how do you know? How do I know, Pastor Steve, if I'm being called by God to myself? Um, you're here. You're here been serving him for a long time maybe maybe you walked in the doors today and you said I don't know I just feel like I need to check this out something something is, has been happening in my life and I just feel a draw that maybe I need to get back in church or maybe I need to go to church for the first time or maybe I just need to hear uh, what God has to say maybe I need to check this out if that's you and you're in this place you're being called by God and yes you can receive Jesus repent for your sins accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior be baptized as a public acknowledgement that I give my life to Christ and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everybody in this place. Amen? A lot of people in this place already have. A lot of people in this place have received the Holy Spirit, been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and have been walking in obedience to the Holy Spirit for a long time. But maybe some of us haven't. So the Holy Spirit equips us specifically how? How does the Holy Spirit equip us? He ignites our passion for God, the things of God, and the people of God. Can I tell you that before I gave my heart to Jesus, uh, there wasn't very many pastors that I could stand. I didn't like pastors. I liked pastor rushing. <laughs> I, I liked pastor rushing. And I liked Pastor Rick Welshans. And he, he pastors in Floral City now, but he was a youth pastor here when my wife and I were here as kids. Other than those two men, I didn't trust pastors, didn't like them, didn't want anything to do with them. I, I did not particularly care for the people of God. And why? Because they were living in such an opposite way from the way I was living. So I didn't, I didn't want to be involved with them because every time I got around them, it convicted me for my own lifestyle, right? So I didn't want to be with them, didn't want to spend time with them. But the moment I gave my heart to Christ, the Holy Spirit came in and specifically equipped me to have passion for God, for the things of God, and all the people of God. And can I tell you that next Sunday when I was in church, and the people that would normally be on my last nerve. Don't, don't sit here all pious like you don't have anybody in the church that gets on your nerves. <laughs> we just a bunch of personalities in here. I know somebody gets on your nerves. But when I went back to church that Sunday and I was so fresh after the baptizing of the Holy Spirit and receiving Christ and rededicating my life and heart, I was so fresh in what God had done that I saw the people who would normally I would try to avoid and walk away from and not even look at and be like, Psh, like, just leave me alone. I saw those people and something weird was happening. I loved them. I was like, oh, oh my goodness, I, I love that lady. Last week I wanted to strangle her. Not last week, but maybe the, the months ago when I was there or whatever. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't want anything to do with that lady. And now I, I, that's weird. That's weird. But you know what? That's God. God will move on you and cause you to have love for people like you've never had. 
the Holy Spirit will begin to d- exhibit fruits in you, which we'll get to in a, in a future message in the series. But the Holy Spirit will begin to exhibit fruits in you, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if you ever, as a Christian, find yourself not exhibiting those fruits, can I encourage you to get back? It's a sign that you are moving and walking in your flesh more than you're moving and walking in your spirit. Which means you've been feeding your flesh more than you've been feeding your spirit. Which means that you've got to get back to feeding your spirit and spending time with God so that you can get a refreshing. So that when you leave the house, you look at that person you've been angry at and you go, I love them. Because God refreshed you. Amen. So the Holy Spirit specifically uh, equips us how he ignites our passion. I'm going to skip some stuff. Secondly, he provides opportunities. So once he ignites your passion, then he provides opportunities. Right? He's probably not going to send you into an opportunity if you have no passion. If you don't care anything about people, he's probably not going to send you into an opportunity to impact somebody's life. But the moment you have passion and you start exhibiting that fruit in your life, then he creates opportunities for you to impact somebody else's life. So if you're sitting here today and you say, Pastor Steve, you know, it doesn't matter how long you've been saved. But if you're sitting here today and you're like, man, I just don't impact anybody's life. Like I just get along and go along and get along in this world. And it doesn't seem like I just impact anybody. Can I tell you to get back in your prayer closet? Go back to your war room. Remember that movie? Go back to your war room and, and, and get with God and begin to allow God to refresh you so that you start loving and caring about people again. Because we can get so stuck and lost in our own desires and our own, our own self and, and, our, and we can get so stuck and lost in that that we forget that we're called to help a hurting people and lost people. And that's part of the gospel that we're equipped to do. So he provides opportunities for us. Thirdly, he helps us overcome our fears. He helps you overcome it. And he, listen, it might be, you, you might need courage to change something in your own life. Or you might need courage to talk to somebody else about something going on in their life. But either way, the Holy Spirit will help you overcome the fear. The Holy Spirit will build you up and empower you and encourage you to be able to do the things that he's asked you to do. And, and make no mistake, if God has asked you to do it, you can do it with his help. Amen. God asks big things of us. Here's some of the big things God asks of us. One, quit sinning. It's pretty big, right? Quit living in sin. Quit accepting sin as part of your life. Quit writing off and just saying, oh, it's just something I do. Or, Or quit writing it off and saying, oh, it's just something I need to repent for every week. No, man, if you find yourself repenting for the same old sin every week, you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to overcome that issue in your life. Right? So quit sinning. Two, start guarding your lips, also related to sin. Stop gossiping about people. Stop talking bad about people. Stop uh, using your mouth and your words to, to push people into the ground and start using your mouth and your words to quote scripture over people and to lift people up. Right? Start using your mouth to, to preach the gospel instead of preach the, the gossip. Right? We start doing that. So to forgive people. To empower us to be salt and light in a world that we live. To empower us to give of our time. It makes us generous. We give of our time. We give of our finances. And, and listen, not just the people giving of their time and finances to the church, but the church giving of its time and finances to the community and to the world and to the lost and the hurting to reach the lost, to restore the hurting, and to see people redeemed for their purpose that God has placed on their life, right? To see us be generous, to share the gospel, to open up our heart to people in need, to tell your testimony, and to ultimately lead somebody to Christ. I want to ask you a question today, and I don't want anybody to answer. I just want you to internally think about it. If you've been saved longer than a year, when's the last time you led somebody to Christ? And if you can't answer that or the answer is zero, it's time to get into your prayer closet. It's time to start getting filled up again so that when you encounter people, you don't get disgusted with them and say, oh, I just don't want to deal. Listen, I'm there, man. I was telling Pastor Eddie this morning, I'm an extroverted introvert. 
I totally am. And that's a real thing, right? I can be extroverted. I can stand up here and preach. I can, I can meet with hundreds of people. But then when I get home, I need to be by myself. And when I go to Walmart on Monday on my day off to do the grocery shopping for the week, I want to be in incognito. <laughs> you know, I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, that's all. And that's my flesh. And can I tell you today that's wrong? It's wrong. We, we need to be looking, we need to be so empowered by the Holy Spirit and so flowing in his love that we look for every opportunity. Listen, I'm preaching to myself too. Okay, I'm not, just, I'm not just preaching at you guys. I'm preaching to myself too. We need to be so empowered by the Holy Spirit and so full of his love that anywhere we find ourselves, we need to be ready in the moment to be available to him to lead people to Christ. That we need to... We need to know how to do it. We need to be ready. I always say you need to be ready to share your testimony in one minute. One minute. Because you, you go over a minute, they're going to zone out on you, I, I promise. <laughs> share your testimony in one minute and lead somebody to the Lord. And if you haven't led somebody to the Lord in the last year, can I ask you that before the end of the year, can you make a commitment to me to, to try, not, not to me, make a commitment to God to try to lead somebody to the Lord before the end of this year. That I'm, I'm going to talk to somebody about my testimony. I'm going to share my testimony. I'm going to lead somebody to the Lord before this year ends. And then this is what you have to do. You have to start praying for it. Lord, give me the opportunities. Lord, wreck my heart and make my heart soft for people who need you. God, identify the people who need reached and restored. The people who are hurting and lost. And Lord, give me what I need, the desire of my heart, the passion for those people to lead them to the Lord. And if we just do that, man, you'd be surprised if you start implementing these things in your life, how much supernatural stuff begins to happen. Because if you're doing, uh, uh, Dr. Tim Hines, Prophet Hines always says, he, he says, if you're doing the work of the Lord, uh, then the supernatural will follow. And if you're following the heart of the Father, and, then, and I'm saying it differently than he says it. He's way more intellectual than I am. <laughs> he says, if you're following the heart of the Father, and what's the heart of the Father? To see people who are far from him recovered. To see the lost come back to him. And if you're doing the work of the Father, the supernatural wonders and signs will follow. Amen. That some churches get so lost and stuck in us four and no more. And we're just going to sit here with our 25 and we're going to pray for supernatural signs and wonders, but we haven't seen a, a salvation in 10 years, right? Why is God going to fall on that congregation when they're not out doing the things that are after his heart? So we as a congregation, no matter what size we are and no matter what size we grow to, always need to put the heart of the father first. And if we're always doing the heart of the Father and doing the work of the Father, then the supernatural signs will follow. Because the supernatural signs are what encourages you and gives you the faith to keep going. And Lord, when we see God heal somebody, we've seen, uh, I, I want to say, four healings in these altars in the last month and a half, two months. Right? And one is sitting right there. Miss Katie was, was healed in these altars. Another Katie sitting right there. She was healed in these altars. Miss Florine, where are you at? Back here. She was healed in these altars. We've seen anybody else in the room? Right back there. Somebody else was healed in these altars in the last couple of months. God is, 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 is showing up with supernatural and signs and wonders because we're chasing his heart. If we continue to chase his heart, he'll continue to show up in mighty, mighty ways. Amen. So the 120 that were in that upper room that were being obedient to Jesus and waiting and praying and seeking and, and looking for the Holy Spirit uh, began to see immediate growth in the church. Began to see immediate growth. Began to see the church explode. Began to see signs and wonders. People who couldn't walk, walk. And people who couldn't hear, hear. And people who couldn't see, see. They started seeing all of these things happen because they were obedient to Jesus. And they were activating the Holy Spirit in their life. Amen. I want to turn, I want to go to I got other stuff. I'll save it for next week. I want to turn to really quick, just, just to close this today. If you're still in Acts 2, go to verse 40. 
If you've got a Bible like mine in the New King James Version, it's labeled, A Vital Church Grows. A Vital Church Grows, Pastor Brad. It says this, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Can I tell you that message is true for us today? Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul. And that's the fear of God, by the way. Came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all who has anyone in need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Notice it it says at the end of of chapter 2, they were in one accord. At the beginning of chapter 2, they were in one accord. Means the church was together in one accord in agreement of what needed to happen. That means that all of us as a church body need to be in agreement of what needs to happen in Inverness, Florida. Right, in Inverness, Florida, we, need, we want to see people changed, healed, restored, redeemed. We want to see that happen right here in our city. We have to all be in one accord. We have to all be together. So they started this chapter in one accord. The Holy Spirit fell on them. And now as the vital church grows, the first century church grows, they were together in one accord again. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Amen. It was the entirety of the church. Entirety of the church. Can I ask um, Professor Brian Norman, would you come up at the altar? Pastor Mike, Pastor John, Pastor Rushing, Pastor Kenny. I want to make these men of God available to you this morning for for one of three things. One, you're going through something in your life and you don't feel like you are equipped to come out the other side. But you feel like you're just in a, in a struggle and you don't feel like you have what it takes. If that's you in this place, I want to invite you to come to this altar and allow one of these men of God to pray for you and pray over you. Number two, you just simply want more of God. You're here today and you recognize that maybe your passion has waned. Maybe your passion has fell in other places and your passion isn't, isn't placed on where God would have you place your passion. Maybe your desires aren't following the desires of the Father. And you just acknowledge today, I just want to get that right. I just want to be filled with passion again for the things that God wants to do in my life and through my life. And then number three, if you're in this place today and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you say today I recognize the need I recognize that I want to be flowing over and I want people to be impacted by my life and if that's you in this place and you want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost then I invite you to come up to these altars and if all of these men are busy we'll find other people to pray with you but I want to ask Pastor Brad before we before we dismiss This is important. It's important that we're in one accord. I'm going to ask Pastor Brad to lead us in song if he's prepared. And then if you're sitting in that seat and the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and you need to come. Listen, I don't care if you've been serving God for 40 years. If you need reignited in your passion, I want you to come up. Okay. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask everybody to stand with me. I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to open up the altars. Father, we love you today. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be perfect to be used. We don't have to be perfect to be called and to be chosen. But Lord, what we're lacking, you will make right. 
Father, I pray today that you would just, just pour out your love on us. Pull out your passion on us. Lord, that you would just, just ignite a fire deep within us, Lord. Make us soul winners, Father. Make us loving and, and empowered and encouraged to go lead people to you, Lord. Help us to share our faith and our testimony and our heart with people who are far from you, Lord. Lord, I pray over those who would be coming to the altar this morning that you would just move in a special way in their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. As Pastor Brad leads us in worship, just step out of your seat if you need to come up for prayer for any of those reasons. Nothing less My best 